Hey, welcome to another episode of Film Streak. My name is Rob, and if you've been listening, you know that all I do is talk about new movies that I've seen. And this episode is going to be pretty special. Um, this is going to be a little bit of a different, uh, a little bit of a different lineup. We're looking at Latino films from filmmakers and producers and directors all around the country, all around the world, really. And we're doing that here at the Houston Latino Film Festival. And this is the seventh annual festival. Um, now, this started in 2015. And because of COVID, there was a year where it was shut down, just like everything else in the world. But the idea now is we're back and it's bigger than ever. We've got a big lineup, lots of films, more days, more screenings. And with me today, I have a special guest. Uh, I say a special guest, a guest and a friend. Um, his name is Jesus Blickweed, and he is uh, a part of the festival here. And tell us a little bit about what you do here. So uh, thanks, Rob. Um, yeah, I, uh, Jesus Blickweed, and I am part of the programming crew here. Um, we've uh, starting about October. We preview over 500 films uh, in preparation for this festival. We rate them um, anywhere from writing, directing pacing performances sound and we get through all of them uh and and because we really care about um uh, filmmakers we have a, a, obviously the the co-director uh, pedro rivas is actually part of the programming crew and um we really we really understand what it goes into making films and and we so we take the, that part of it very seriously uh so during the festival this week um we i'm a moderator so I, i've been introducing films along with some other moderators uh and uh and we introduce the films we we hold q a's with the if the film director or part of the cast is with with the film or if they're on location or on site we will have a q a with them and talk to them about their film yeah. okay okay and you know i've been Oh, both of us, we've both been here at the festival since the beginning, really, since the first year. Yep. And it's been interesting to watch it grow and become a little more of a presence, at least in the local community, uh, certainly in the overall film festival circuit. Um, I'm just very proud to kind of know everybody that's involved with the festival, including you. And Thanks. just uh, seeing it all really become a, a big, cohesive vision from uh, from the guys, and I got to shout them out. And there they are over there. There's David Cortez, uh, Dave Sabrero, and Pedro Rivas. They are the guys that I met a long time ago, and they they kind of told me about the vision for this festival. And I'm just happy to see it's still going and it's growing. Um, they're putting in a lot of hard work. There's all these five days this year, all the screenings, all of the volunteers that are here. It's a uh, it's a pretty big effort, and I think it's all with the idea that. They're pushing these films and presenting these stories, these filmmakers, yep. to a community here in Houston, at least, that maybe won't get to see these films anywhere else. And that's kind of the goal here is I want to be able to talk about these films and, and give them a little bit more of a platform um, because you may or may not see these in wider release someday. Um, so with that in mind, uh, as soon as I want to talk to you a little bit, sure. um, just... Uh, Let's set a little groundwork here, right? Mm -hmm. So for you specifically, can you give me an idea like uh, what is a, an early film memory or your first film experience? So, so you're basically trying to – you're dating me now because uh, <laughs> um, I'm – I believe um, it was 1983, uh -huh. uh, E.T. 
came out. You might want to check it. Uh, but it, I guess I was old enough to to realize. I think uh, you know what I was seeing, where I was going. Right. We, sometimes you bring ki- kids or in movie theaters, and, and I'm like, why they won't even remember this? But we might, you know. And I think I, I was about four or five years old, right. and I remember going to see ET. I, I think it, it was highly, you know, it was a big blockbuster film, obviously, and it was highly marketed. My parents and were like, hey, let's let's go, and I was completely enthralled and mm-hmm. and you know you you put yourself in in, in that, on that bicycle you know with the hoodie mm-hmm. with your friends you know the sister you want to hit over the head you know what i mean uh yeah. you know the, the whole thing was you felt like i was in that movie i was that kid and right. that et was my friend and uh you know and I, i've seen it over and over again and it, it just gives me you you notice things right after you notice different things, but I still remember yeah. how I felt that first time I saw E. T. That's good. That's good to know. Yeah. I mean, I think for a lot of us, that was a big film in our life. So. You and, and like you remember like the, the you know where there was like a, a single mom. I had a single mom, yep. and and it, you know the kids ran everything right. And I just remember having the, your little neighborhood gang. You know what I mean? And your your cousins, your brothers, your sisters, whatever. Um, and and that's how it felt. That was your world. And and so yeah, it was great. In that regard, I think we're actually pretty similar. So, um, how about this? Give me an idea of maybe a, you know, if you had to put together a top five films, just give me one of those. It doesn't have to be the top, but mm. something that's really high up on your personal list. All right. So don't laugh. Okay. Okay. Uh, Steve Martin's The Jerk. Uh, I'm a com- I, I like comedies, right? Okay. And yeah. so. Uh, that would probably be up there because it is strictly a comedy, right? Mm-hmm. But then, um, close close to that is uh, probably probably like Forrest Gump, and okay. because because it was also very funny, right? But it was also very dramatic mm-hmm. as well. Um, I I I'm a, f- a movie goer like everybody else. Yeah, I've indie films are very very cool to watch and some non-narratives and and movies that just don't have uh, uh protagonists per se or anti anti-heroes and, but i like movies that start have a beginning a middle and an end and i like kind of not having to you know just like most people's uh the commercial movie goer like feeling that so forrest gump i felt was a very complete movie mm-hmm. it, it, it sent you through the whole range of emotions right right yeah um Number three has to be, uh, let's see. Uh, God, you kind of put me on the spot. Uh, oh, that's look, that's great. Already. Those are, are good. I think they're always good to know, like people's sensibilities. I mean, everybody has the obscure, weird stuff that they like, but I think most people, the, they kind of drift towards the bigger, more higher profile and, and maybe more, um, universal stories and themes. You know, I going back to some of that. Now, you know, I saw Star Wars came out. Now I'm even dating myself. I think 1978, um, Star yeah. Wars, and uh, but I didn't see it then. But I, I think I saw Empire Strikes Back first, mm-hmm. um, and then um, and then I went and saw all of them uh, together, and uh, and that kind of shaped me. And all of you know, it shaped my movie going experience for a long time. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until much later I started getting into some of these like. Um, what was that? Uh, endless, endless, spot, endless, spotless mind. Uh, oh, uh, eternal sunshine. Eternal, eternal sunshine. Yeah, that was. I remember one. Yeah. That was one of the first movies. I was like, okay, I, th- let's think out of the box. Film here. can do this. Yeah, yeah. yeah, let, yeah let me yeah. let me drift <laughs> right. more. You know what I mean? Or let me use more of my brain to to mm-hmm. in, involve myself in these films. Yeah. And and so and so there it goes. We're 
I, I, I'm starting to grow up. I'm starting to expect yeah. more out of films. Right. And when you see a film that, that kind of like makes you go there, you want to see it again. Yeah. Um, train spotting, you know, that, oh, yeah. that, that was sure. one where I'm like, Whoa, what? That What's was one that on? <laughs> personally is just kind of was traumatizing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, you know what? A film that makes you kind of queasy yeah. and like it, 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 why does it make you queasy? Right. Why does it make you move? Why, why are you leaving the film and, and you, and, and, and you actually cared about a character enough to hate him or, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and, and I, okay. So I saw, remember Gladiator. Okay. I wanted at the end of Gladiator, I hope it's not, no, no spoiler alert here. Um, I wanted him to come back and, and, and rule, right? You, yeah. Even though that's not part of the history, right? right? I, and then when he got caught, I was so disappointed. I was like, what was really Scott doing? This is, this is an <laughs> awful ending. And I remember not liking Gladiator at first because yeah. I was like, oh, that ending, like yeah. he should have come back and rule. And that's what Marcus Aurelius really would have wanted is, mm-hmm. is for him to, you know, the general, you know, to, to come back and, um, the Spaniard, you know, uh, to to rule Rome and and it didn't and I remember being like oh no and then he died and but then I saw Gladiator again and yeah. again and again and the music and the performances and it it happened now it, it just gets more perfect as you right. watch it you know yeah. so there's layers like, to it I yeah. like revisiting movies that at first maybe nah but then you think I want to I want to always ask myself why yeah why did I not like it exactly and and that's a big that's a big point of doing this is sometimes it's a, a first watch and it's kind of an instant reaction. Other times it's where some of the films we've talked about in previous episodes, I sit with it a little bit and I really try to give it some thought and break it down in a way that maybe digs deeper into the themes and, and the story of it. Um, totally. So here, uh, here's one other thing I wanted to ask just real quickly. Um, anything recently that you've seen that is, maybe impressed you or kind of made a mark? Uh, I mean, aside from anything here at the festival, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I know you've seen a lot as part of selecting films, but anything maybe out in cinemas or streaming or whatever. It's true. Because so... So I, yeah, for the last few months, I have watched nothing but these film festival movies. Okay. <laughs> and, and, and it was because there were, there were, we had to go through so many yeah. that I kind of shelved a lot of really, okay. Like other stuff. No, that that's fair. That's fair. I can see that. You don't want to necessarily uh, taint the water with stuff that's out in release versus the things that you're really purposefully watching for selection. So I, I get that. Okay, so I'll tell you what, let's get into, uh, let's pick up with Film Streak, where we left off. We were at 219. Can you believe, I've watched 219 films in, wow. in a row. Wow, wow, wow. Not necessarily every day. That's a little bit hard to do. Uh, but here we go. Film Streak 220, Carajita. El azar es caprichoso. Me dijiste una vez. Como si solo nos uniera el accidente de que aparecieras por mi casa cuando acababa de nacer. Quiere venir? A la fiesta. 
Así mismo te va a mayor el día de la fiesta, en la que más bailaba, en la que más chelchaba. Pero no quiero que piense que nosotros somos maquerosos. Nosotros no somos así. Vamos. Por lo menos respeto a ella que dedicó su vida a atender a ustedes, coño, a limpiar su culo. Yo no tengo que desear eso. ¿Quieres cavar tu propia tumba o algo así? Te estoy llamando eh, para saber cómo amaneció la muchacha. ¿Cómo que qué muchacha? Mayori. Quiero que sepas que cuando esto acabe, podrás volver a casa y te estaremos esperando. Okay, so this is a film that is, uh, this was actually the opening night film for the festival here. Yep. And, um, I tell you what, since you were part of the selection process here and, and looking at these films, um, uh, maybe how about your thoughts on it um, to start with? Sure. Yeah. Uh, in, in Latino America, if you are, you know, part of a certain class mm -hmm. uh, in, in, in Hispano America, Latino America, and you're part of the haves mm -hmm. and, and not the have nots, you probably have servants right. or, or like a maid. And, and, the, and, and you really have to have known someone who or been there to understand the, the bond you get with, with the people who help raise your children. Um, you know, your nanny is not just your nanny, but she is like a pseudo mom. Right. And so the protagonist, the, I would say is a dual protagonist in this film is, uh, Sarah, the young girl who's, who's Karajita, mm -hmm. um, which translates into, you know, young girl mm -hmm. or just a certain amount of innocence to it. There could be a little derogatory thing if, by calling someone a Karajita, like, Oh, you're too young or whatever. Right. And then the, and then the maid, um, Uh, or the servant of the family, uh, Magnolia, um, she, who was here at the festival a couple of days ago when it, when it premiered. And um, you have to know that bond to understand uh, because her daughter, the, the maid's daughter actually comes to visit her. I won't give too much away for those who haven't seen it. No spoiler alerts. My, my impression, the, 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 one of the scenes where the two girls are talking and they're mm -hmm. like, so how's my mom doing? Like, you know, and it's yeah. like, why are you, you know, I'm like, that's your mom but and then the other girls like senses that uncomfortable your mom talks about you your mom actually talks about you. she says great things about you and i'm like this is the most awkward conversation in the world like right. how's my mom doing you know yeah um but it's real and because the the daughter the, the daughter doesn't live with her mom the servants um the sorry the, you know the servant lives with the daughter which right. is you know her uh, like a live-in house a live-in housemaid so yeah. like that dynamic it, you know if you don't know much about it it's it, the the closeness that comes from it that relationship actually is challenged right um right in and, big ways yes yeah and so it's like um you know you do have a mom and dad and mm -hmm. uh, you know and if and then to the to the maid um uh, she she does have a daughter who's uh who she has to care about now, you know, and, um, and it sort of throws, throws it on its head. Right. Like, um, what do you do then when, yeah. when sort of those relationships and that classism be begins now? Yeah. I think that was a big factor to the story that I, I, maybe I didn't really expect, you know, I, I kind of assumed this was about a relationship between two characters. One is kind of a pseudo mother 
to the young girl. And uh, the fact that it really highlights or, or shines a light on this separation of classes and uh, even cultures, you know, when we see um, Sarah with her family and they live in this fairly nice I don't want to say a home because it's even bigger than that. It's and it's not even clear like what her father, what her family is like, what their business is. But it seems a little bit sketchy, maybe. You know, it's implied that he's very powerful and he can make things happen. Uh, and we kind of see that in the film later. But when we see the disparity between that environment and then Yarisa, the the nanny, and her family where they live in in their, I guess, town or part of town. You you really uh, you really get a sense that th- that kind of disparity, that kind of inequality, that's something that I don't feel like we see a lot in stories like this. You know, especially when it comes to Latino culture. I mean, right? You know, sometimes the the idea is like, well, you have different ethnicities, and Latinos are maybe the ones that are you know living through hardship. But here, it's like within the Latino culture, there are different ways of life. And uh, you're right. And, and I, it, here in America, the, you, you see that through maybe the, the, the super rich, maybe they, sure. they, they, that they have, a, they also have, they, they've not a replicated that right. from, but it's all, it, it's similar to that uh, yeah. feeling in Latino America where you, uh, where your children grow up, grow up with your nanny and right. then they become, right. you know, this woman who's cooked for you probably for like 15, 16 years. Mm-hmm. Your both parents are working. That is a story here in America. And I want to kind of go back because I was like, oh, you don't see it here. But you do in certain families True. Where, yeah. where the help or the, you know, your servants are really are more than just your servants. Right. They're, they're part of the family exactly. until they're not. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. until until there's a calamity or something where you're forced to. Uh, I uh, analyze that relationship. Like who's, who's actually more important to me, my, my daughter or, or my maid who's raised my daughter or right. uh, her family. How much do I care about now? Yeah. I mean, I, I put myself in the position of the dad of Sarah, Sarah's dad. Um, who's the powerful, mm-hmm. he's the, he, he, you know, you, you could tell, like you said, he's a powerful guy. I almost thought this was like a vacation home that they, you know what I mean? True. I was like, yeah. I was thinking, but it's not, it's like a, it's like a what a compound, right? Right, and, right. And I, I'm sure this guy has like another home somewhere, mm-hmm. maybe in Switzerland or something. <laughs> and this is where they are most of the time. Maybe, maybe where um, Yarisa yeah. character lives, probably maybe taking care of the house while they're gone, and right. and so on. So uh, you know, th- I, I I think it's even interesting that the way that the story plays out. So i'll just say this much there is an incident or or i guess an accident that happens in the film that really turns the whole story right it it changes the whole course of what these characters are about to experience and before that happens you know you see a little bit of that dynamic where sarah and her friends and you know they're at a party and you get a sense like uh mallory who is yarisa's daughter doesn't really fit in you know, right. and you could even say it's something as superficial as, you know, their darker skin, that, yeah. that that can even be a thing. You know, colorism is sometimes a thing where it's like, well, you're not one of us, even though we're all from the same place. Um, so seeing that play out in little, almost like a, almost like little, uh, what do they call them? Like microaggressions, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's only amplified after this incident happens where, uh, Yarisa's family, when they're trying to understand what happened, 
and trying to cope with the fallout of that, the, the outcome, where they start to really highlight, the story starts to highlight, oh, you don't really care about people like us. Right. Or, you know, you don't understand people like us. And that's where I think the dramatic impact really comes is you feel these characters, they're in an impasse almost. Right. You know, right. before the incident happened, yeah. which is called the incident. Yeah. Um, Yarisa tells her daughter, don't go out with her. Right. Don't. And, 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 I, and I think it's like kind of like a warning, yeah. like an octoon, uh, you know, watch out. Like you don't want, please don't go out with them. Yeah. They're, they're, if there's going to be a loser, it's going to be you, baby. Right. You know, right. it's and and I and I and I, the daughter was like, whatever, I can handle myself. Yeah. You know, um, and and maybe Yarisa's uh, the, the the nanny. She knew. Yeah, she knew that. Yeah. This isn't a, this isn't a place for you. It's barely a place for me. But like, right. listen, I've I'm here. You know what I mean? I've I've. They're not going to treat you. They're they're not going to treat you fairly, perhaps. And what happens is maybe not. You yeah, know, maybe she she wasn't. I, that's a big thing I got a sense of, and it's I mean it's it's kind of disturbing to watch it play out um, because that sort of like apathy and just detachment from it's almost like these aren't people. That's that's kind of the the view the point of view of Satter's family and the people around them versus Yarisa and, and the the culture that she comes from. It's like well, you don't necessarily really count. You're almost disposable. Yeah, it's sad. And, and yeah, there is a moment where that's put on, on the line of, like, this, is, this could happen. Like, this could go badly. And so, you know, with that in mind, I think the other aspect of the story that I really connected with, it is a look at guilt and grief, uh, especially towards the end of the film, where Yarisa really is struggling and suffering with some of the fallout of this, you know, incident that happens in the film. And um, it's important to know that, uh, or I think for me, it's important to know that that, that hits everybody in the same way, you know, and even Sarah, who at the end of the film is struggling with it in her own way and sure. in a way kind of withdrawing, right. And almost not wanting to acknowledge things that have happened. Um, maybe even not acknowledge her family and her way of life. I, I, right. I guess there's different ways you could read it. Sure. But my way of reading it is like, she's not proud of her involvement right. in any of this you, either. In that scene with her boyfriend yeah. where he, her boyfriend wants to work for her dad. And she's yeah. like, you want to work for a corrupto? Yeah. You want to work for a corrupt guy? Like what's wrong with you? Like she knows. Yeah. She knows, is, is, you know, that what dad does perhaps yeah. she knows. I mean, uh, we don't think kids see, but they see <laughs> you They're they're uh, You have children and I, I don't, but I, 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 what I do know, having been a child, is you you're very, you become very good at observing. Oh, yeah. So um, with that said, this film, Karahita, I think it's a, it's a great film to watch and see it wherever you can. Um, you know, whether this ends up being uh, having a theatrical release or maybe you catch it on streaming somewhere. Um, you know, these kinds of films, that's the importance of going to a festival like this is you can see these at places that you may never see them. So even if you have a local film festival or go. a major city near you, go check it out. Right. So um, let's keep this moving. Let's, let's move on to our next film. Yep. Okay, so here we are. This is Film Street 221. This is The Beast.
¿Qué? Estuve viajando por muchos sitios, haciendo el tonto. Una noche iba tan borracho que tuve que parar. Me tumbé y vi el cielo lleno de estrellas. Cuando me desperté, estaba aquí, en este valle. Y me pasé toda mi vida pensando en esto. Y me, me decía, cuando sea un viejo, estaré aquí. Y seré libre. Y sería libre justo aquí. Es una historia... Una historia preciosa. ¿Tú crees que este sitio para mí es un capricho? No, Sean. Este sitio para mí es todo. Es mi proyecto de vida. No, yo no... Mi hijo de mi mujer. Yo no pienso eso. ¿Qué piensas? Ojalá te hubieras despertado en otra aldea. I'll just start off by saying this is a pretty intense film, wouldn't you say? It's very, very in intense. Uh, it's it's uh, for some of us, it's, it's uh, comes close to home, uh, you know. <laughs> you want to give us a little bit of the premise and sure. the idea? Sure. A, it's about a, a couple who moves in into the Spanish countryside mm -hmm. and runs into conflicts with their neighbor. Right. Um, and it, it, it addresses issues of xenophobia, perhaps, mm -hmm. and fear of the unknown. Um, and even though you're in the same boat with someone, um, you would say, uh, you know, that your neighbor is living the same life you are trying to raise, let's say in this instance, you're, you're farmers and you're trying to um, raise some, you know, raise crops or do well. Uh, windmill farm comes in, right? And uh, our wind, windmill company comes in and wants to buy up a large swath of this land. It creates uh, kind of controversy and conflict with with the with neighbors and right. it pits neighbor against neighbor. And uh, yeah, and it doesn't end too well for one of the neighbors. Uh, <laughs> but it uh, it it is a, a a film that shows the resilience too of of, of the human spirit, mm -hmm. which I really liked. The thing that was interesting is kind of new for me is that it shines a light on a cultural difference I hadn't really considered before, and that is the difference between these two neighbors of France and Spain. And sure, there's going to be some overlap and maybe some conflict, but here I guess it's highlighting it in a way that, like I said, I just never thought of. You know, we have our main character here, um, played by Denis Minochet, who he's a former professor, if I remember right. Yeah. It's him and his wife. They move into this Spanish town in the countryside and they're immediately outsiders uh, but he's also more educated more cultured uh, maybe more resourceful than they might be you know they're they're maybe simpler more hardy townsfolk who they just they just want to get some money they want to get be able to maybe elevate themselves a little bit by selling out to this company with these windmills and he's the one that's there on purpose so he has a very a very uh, solid interest in not selling out and living this way of life that he chose to live. And so that's where the, the conflict really comes to a head is these two, you know, the, our characters and the townsfolk, their two ways of thinking of this, uh, they're never going to seem to agree. Right. And 
you know, there's a great scene probably about halfway through where after these, I say the men of the village, of the town, really tormenting and harassing and threatening uh, Antoine, is our main character, and his wife, Olga, after a series of events like this, they, he takes it upon himself, instead of like pushing back with violence or pushing back in other kinds of harmful ways, to just sit down and try and talk it out. And, right. you know, I, I, we talked about this before, but it's a thing where to watch it play out in real time, it's like, I think it's one long uncut take, but to see where this feels like it's already tense, yeah. this conversation is about to happen. And somehow these guys seem to get closer to middle ground. Yeah, he invites them to a drink. He says, you know, hey, I- I'll buy. You know? yeah. And that's usually a detente, right? Like, right. Uh, like let's just chill here. Like, yeah. Let's talk. And you see that they're trying to use reason. They're trying to really find some midway point yeah. to agree on something. And slowly you just see it all devolve and it turns into a shouting match. And not only do they go back to their corners, but now they've both got like, Heavy beef with each other, right? Now, they've yeah. yeah, they've they've gone more into their yeah, like you said, they've they've retreated back yeah. into their into their way. <laughs> like this, you know, actually, and not just that, but there is no other way other than what eventually uh, right. happens. Is, right? Uh, yeah. So, um, you know, I I think just the way that that kind of stuff plays out in this film, you know, it it makes you think that this is going to be a certain kind of story. It's going to be a story that, for me, the the uh, the immediate thing that comes to mind is something like straw dogs where you know these this couple they go into this small town in that case it was a small british town like in the countryside and they get tormented they get harassed they get physically threatened and all kinds of stuff and it gets really disturbing in that film this one is different in the sense that it's more grounded and it feels more uh, organic the way things develop and the way these characters conduct themselves they stay true to the characters that we introduced at the beginning, right? They don't become superheroes. They don't become supervillains, you know? Right. They're just regular people who have their own point of view, right. and they're never going to agree on this. Exactly. Um, and then about, I don't know, uh, halfway through the film, everything takes a turn, and it does become a story about, uh, in my mind, it's, it's more a story about devotion and dedication and, and that perseverance yep. to stick to your guns and... The, the mission that you're on, the thing you believe in, to stay true to that. And, and we really see that, uh, we really see that play out with Olga, with his wife. Right. Um, without giving too much away, um, Olga really takes command of the situation. Um, and I, you have any thoughts yeah, on that? Yeah, and, and, her, and her daughter, she, I mean, uh, it makes you think, when 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 Olga finally kind of steps up and 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 she becomes sort of the the our new protagonist in a way, uh, you, you're thinking was she the protagonist all along? I mean, yeah. was her and Antoine their union? Um, where did they get the strength? And, right. and then you start seeing okay, it didn't go away. It actually persists with her, and and it um, and she's going to stick to her guns as it were, and and um, and see this thing through. When you, you you said that um, everyone's sticking to their guns, uh, I was thinking, you know what? Back in the, in the 1600s, 50s, you're in a countryside. Your dad grew up there. Your mom grew up. There, you know, you all have this land. You're not going anywhere. No one's going to kick you off the land. It's like someone t- trying to take your name away from you or something. You know, and mm-hmm. that's and and if it wasn't for a 
a laptop here and there or, right. or you know, a modern day, you know, a truck rolling around. This very well could be a story back in the Middle Ages of some sort between, a, you know, dueling families and right. uh, yeah. the Capulets and, and Montagues mm-hmm. in a way, you know, it, it but it, it um, so it's a timeless story really of, mm-hmm. of kind of neighbor against neighbor. Yeah. And, and I do like that on top of all that, there is a little bit of a, of a mystery to some of the, th- you know, it, it's strange. It does dabble in a couple of different genre tropes, let's say. Mm. It doesn't necessarily become a thriller, although there are some moments where you're never sure quite what's going to happen. Uh, and there are a couple of disturbing scenes in it, let's say. Um, I mean, if you look at the poster for the film or the cover art, um, if you're not, without context, you're not really sure what you're looking at, but in the film, it's a pretty harrowing scene. Yeah. Um, and you're not even clear what the resolution of that is until much later in the film. You know, and I think that's a really kind of zag move of like, wait, what, what, what just happened? What did we just watch? And did we jump in time? Did we, like, did I miss a scene somewhere? Right. Um, so the film really, it, it uses the cinematic language to skip over some of the stuff that you probably expect and go right into the heart of, I think, the theme that it's trying to talk about. So, you know, with that in mind, um, and, and I got to say, you know, the, the first thing that, that occurred to me watching the film, our main character here, Antoine, he's played by um, Denis Menochet, who I remember, I recognize from Inglorious Bastards. That's right. And, uh, you know, being the, the farmer in the, in the opening scene, you know, very kind of a quiet personality who is also kind of holding on to a secret that we learn about right mm-hmm. um here it, it's it's not quite the same character but it's a very similar uh, approach i think and maybe that's just his acting style yeah, I, yeah maybe i haven't maybe, seen any maybe, other films that he's in but just like a stoicism a, a, exactly. a groundedness and and uh you know i'm gonna cons- I'm conserve i'm gonna conserve my emotions and my energy yeah. until i can't perhaps right Right. So and I think when that happens, when the uh, the moment comes, it's powerful and uh, I it's even hard to watch in a way. Um, yeah. So that, that was just an interesting moment to me because that's right at the beginning of the film. And I realized, OK, here's a face. Here's a, a, a personality I kind of recognize. So mm. that's a good thing to hang on to to kind of get you through when you're not sure what is coming next. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, and, and with that in mind, you know, that speaks to maybe this film has gotten some other acclaim even before arriving here at the festival. Um, you, you have some. Yeah, I look it. It premiered at, at last year at, the, at Cannes. OK. Yeah, that was premiere at the Cannes Film Festival. OK, yeah. OK. And, and then go and it won a Goya Award for Best Director and Best, and best Feature. OK, yeah. so it's it's already gotten some notice. And it's certainly a I would say with that, it's much higher profile. Um and, and of course, some of the films here, they're just starting that journey, right. of getting into film festivals and getting that kind of notice. But here with this one, The Beast, um, certainly one to check out for sure. Yeah. It, from, from sort of the trends right now in the streaming services, I, I can definitely see this one popping up there for, for people right. to, to watch at some point. Yeah. 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 I, that's, yeah that's the thing that uh, with a lot of streaming services, you see that, right? The, the, the foreign films and films of different types of stories they're getting a lot more platforms to work with now to right. to be shown on so uh, i would expect this you might be able to find one day on netflix or 
Amazon Prime or whatever, sure. whatever's out there. So, um, so any other thoughts on uh, the, uh, the 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 strong female character of Olga? I, I did want to just say it's it's um, reiterate perhaps that she she is like. Um, uh, unmoving and and mm-hmm. that and I really liked uh, you made me think about all of a sudden things are popping up in my brain um, and my and images are popping up that um, it beca- when you said a thriller it becomes like sort of a thriller at the end because you're like we all know what happened as, as the audience but and, and even we're not entirely clear right? Right. we do kind of jump through time as the film goes on and it's not like we get any kind of marker like a week later or a year later or anything it's just kind of happens but uh they, so they can't farm anymore right they, they poisoned their crops and so they go i think what happens is they go to sheep they have to buy or they have to change gears yeah and and i really like that um that we're sticking here like that's the, that right olga's characters is a strong female character and and uh and i was happy to see that yeah and it, and it is one that is revealed over the course of the film like at the early the early scenes she's almost kind of there in the background Mm-hmm. Like it's really Antoine and his wife, right. and then it really becomes Olga yeah. and her husband Antoine. You know <laughs> exactly. Good point. Uh, so uh, with that in mind, uh, this is definitely a recommendation. Uh, you know, check this one out wherever yep. you can. Um, and uh, that's that for the Beast. The Beast, Bestia. All right. So look, um, this has been a, a fun episode to do. Um, we're here at the seventh annual Houston Latino Film Festival. And I tell you what, Jesus has been great talking to you here. Great talking to you too. Um, We're going to do some more. We're going to talk about some more films for the next episode. um, If you're down for that, let's do it. Um, But in the meantime, look, if you want to find out more about the festival here in Houston, uh, you can go to Houston Latino Film Festival.org. That's right. right. Um, You can find out, uh, you know, the festival will have passed probably by the time this is out, but there's always another one. Yep. And there are other events, screenings, uh, different collaborative art and music film experiences here in Houston. So you can always go to the website, sign up to get uh, email updates. And There's get- Dia de los Muertos. Uh, I mean, it won't be for a few more months, sure. right? right. Um, but we do have a, we have a collaboration with the Houston Arts, Cinema Arts Society okay. uh, where we help put that on. So right. there's... There's not just the Houston, it's growing. Right. We're at kind of our reach and our participation with other um, groups to, in film film festivals. To- yeah, and, and I think that's an important thing to recognize is this festival, you know, the the guys here, Dave, David, and Pedro, they have really, they, they started with this vision to bring these kinds of stories, these kinds of films to this city, uh, to this community. And I think they've done a great job being uh, being a part of it or, or at least watching it grow over the last eight years. Um, it's It's been great, and I'm proud to know these guys and, and know you and, you and everything you're all doing here. Um, so be sure to check out the festival, if anything. I mean, if you want to see some films like these that, that you can't see anywhere else, this is the place, um, especially if you're in the Houston or even just in Texas. Because yeah, right. there are not many festivals like this. Right specifically for Latino filmmakers and Latino stories. Uh, so this is, this is definitely a place to check out. Um, so in the meantime, look, um, Jesus, I don't know about you. I'm sure you're going to go watch something new at the festival here. Sure. Yep. Uh, and I'll do the same. So like, if you want to hear more episodes, uh, if you want to check out the next episode, we'll talk about some more, uh, go to filmstreak.com 
and you can subscribe, use a podcast catcher service, whatever they call them these days. Yep. Uh, you can also sign up to get them by email, get a new episode every week. And uh, right to your then, inbox. Exactly. Right to your inbox. Make it easy, yeah, right? Why not? Just do it. Yeah, just, just do it. don't make it hard. Make it easy. So we're going to go watch some new movies. And um, Jesus, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Rob. All right. Talk to you later.